0: to Motel Hell. I'm not ready.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm ready now. Are you ready? <laughs> My name is Alexa. I'm Gary the Ghoul. It's fair, oh, and I'm his brother Barry <laughs> the
2: Bat.
1: <laughs> We're like old. A I blew 45
2: it. minutes. I it's don't good.
0: know where I
1: am. I'm the professor. Beardo.
0: Whatever. Yeah. Captain Saban. Captain F- Saban.
1: Dick Fetty.
0: God. You need a few extra
1: nicknames. God's
0: one of them. God is one
2: of them. What if God was one of us?
1: His <laughs> name would be Dick Fetty. His name would be Dick Fetty. And then, of course, we got the infamous, Flex. the strong, Flex. 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 the wonderful. The <laughs> wonderful. Wah wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Man. He's never gonna shake that.
0: Never. You're a ghoul forever. I feel like I should start lifting weights and just really get into the nickname.
2: Yes, but only with your legs. (laughs) So your legs are so beefy,
0: you could make a stew. (laughs) We could call you Betty Beef Legs. Mm, Mmm, I like it. Oh my god. So what are we -er. we talking about tonight, guys?
1: Uh, Well, first we're going to do a movie review. We always do a movie review. That's true, we do. Are we road mapping for our listeners? Yeah.
0: Give him a sense. Okay. It's what like you, an abstract. We're talking about the Jersey Devil. I don't like this. All I right.
2: Want this to we're stop talking on. about the <laughs> Jersey Devil tonight, which came out of our desire to do Urban Legends. And Ben and I talked about the necessity uh, of doing the Jersey Devil, considering that we live in New Jersey.
0: And Have we ever mentioned that before? That we live in New Jersey? Yes. Have we?
1: Yeah. It, it's briefly mentioned in the first episode. Huh. Well, shock's on you guys. You've been listening to people from New Jersey this <laughs> whole
0: time.
1: The armpit of America. Because it looks like an armpit. Also, it's dirty. <sighs> it's not that
2: dirty. <laughs>
0: we'll get into it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're from the, the, the better part. Yeah. The southern part. Yeah.
0: Which is where this lore originates. But first, we'll start with the movie review. Tonight we watched Suspiria. Uh, very yes. beautiful film. Just the way that it's shot. is it. it really, really, really pretty. I couldn't hear much of the dialogue because of these weird ghouls that were sitting around me. But I don't
1: know what you mean. <laughs> I wasn't
0: talking during the dialogue.
1: We were giving you exposition. What? Exposition! What did you guys think? I thought,
0: I thought visually it was a striking movie and it's the first Italian harm Is it Italian? It's, it's yes. already Yeah, it's the first one of his films I've seen that has a supernatural element, which is why, from the very beginning, I was like, this is... She's just, like, going crazy, but I really thought there couldn't be a supernatural element because I'd never seen him do it before. So, you guys are making fun of me.
2: <laughs> well, only because we told Flex five days ago, seven days ago, a week ago, a week if ago. you will, that this movie was about witches. So... <laughs> So, yes, there was some, um, casual teasing.
1: About, like, 45 minutes into the movie, she turns to us and goes, is there something supernatural happening?
0: <laughs> yeah. now? When there's a ghoul, <laughs> there is spooks. There's no well. ghouls in this movie, unfortunately. Oh, okay. So, so what, what you was, know about
1: the professor? There was totally a ghoul. Towards the end, it was ghoulish. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, what would you guys say about the film?
0: How many ghouls out of five ghouls?
2: Oh, uh, on a rating scale?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, it's a 4.5 ghoul scale yeah. out of five ghouls. 4.5 ghouls and 0. .5 Barry the Bats.
2: Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. true. That's a good So, story. yeah, Suspiria was, I believe, the first Argento film that I saw. I was trying to remember, but it's also very hazy uh, from back then. And I could have been Tenebrae, but I'm pretty positive I watched Argento when the uh dvds on netflix were still more prominent but they had it streaming and then i rented the dvd or like got the dvd from netflix of tenebrae and watched it shortly thereafter um but it was one of my introductions to italian horror i had seen already some giallo before that i saw uh your vice is a locked door and only i have the key or a locked room and i saw a strip nude for your killer and. Confessions of a Call Girl, or Secrets of a Call Girl, or whatever it is.
0: Sexy. Exactly.
2: Yeah, some Edward Finnick vehicles, but uh, this was this was my introduction to Argento. It was before I'd even seen a Fulci film, and it was really exciting to me, because like you mentioned, the visuals, having just recently rewatched Tenebrae, Deep Red, this, Bird with the Crystal Plumage, I can say easily, visually, it's like the most um exciting kaleidoscopic like his use of color is so fantastic in the film that it's just really everything pops and the whole time it made me think a lot about the strange color of your body's tears and it's you know uh equally
1: color heavy or loud colors and all that kind of stuff yeah Yeah. Uh, yeah. each shot is can be its own still and you can hang it up it's a very beautiful movie um it's not my favorite argento movie uh, but I, I do love it. The soundtrack is killer. Super killer. Yeah.
0: And we got to see it live on last Tuesday.
1: Yeah. Super cool. Yeah, so last Tuesday
2: was Halloween, and we saw Goblin in Philadelphia at the Union Transfer on their Sound of Fear tour, where they had everybody but uh, Simonetti from the original band, I think, performing, and, um, it was fantastic, I would say. It was one of the best shows I've been to this year, and, uh, Ben and I had seen Fabio Fritzi two years prior which was excellent as well but different and this was really like kind of a rock show in certain ways but they had really they they used the the scenes from the movies like they had a film backdrop but then they edited it up in like a really trippy cool fashion so it was kind of like layered and worked with the music and
1: yeah, I mean, it dope. was
2: it was awesome.
1: And they're all such sweet,
2: old Italian men. Yeah, they're yeah. super
0: old. It's so cute.
2: Yeah, Massimo, the guy who was on guitar, was just, he was kind of like in this, not even like hippie, but like Somebody bohemian.
1: So scarves. Yeah, he had a
2: lot of scarves. Very like, <laughs> uh,
1: like, classic rock. Like, he's wearing a vest and like a somewhat oversized, like frilly cuffed shirt. Mm-hmm. And then he had three scarves tied to one side of the vest. <laughs> and, uh,
0: he had a scarf around he had a scarf around his head. Yeah. yeah.
1: And it was just so funny watching like the look on your face when they walked down on stage and you're like, What is happening? <laughs> because the, the the first band who played what was their name? Morricone Youth. They're 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 from New York and they look very New York y. Yeah. And they're they're not young, but they're not old maybe. They look like, like Brooklyn hipsters in yeah. their thirties. Exactly.
0: I mean I knew they were gonna be old, <laughs> but I guess I didn't know they were gonna be old.
2: Yeah. Because you're figuring their soundtrack and movies since the, 70s. the early 70s, yeah. yeah, so I mean, 40 years plus, and, uh, I mean, they, they killed it, though, they, the thing that's really cool about it was to watch them, like, wail on these solos and everything else, but do it just with utter composure and mm. this just chilled vibe to the whole proceeding, mm. it was like, we don't even have to try hard to just, like, blow your mind. Yeah, it was
1: like watching a surgeon work.
2: Yeah, and I don't know, I guess you said it was Murder on a Train or something like that was this first film that yeah. they did the score to. And between the visuals and the sounds, I mean, it was fantastic, but they did all the great, they did the entire soundtrack of Profondo Rosso, which for me was like, I couldn't ask for a better Halloween gift. And they played a Suspiria Suite at the end, they played Dawn of the Dead, they played Rollerball, or Roller, <coughs> um, Rollerball is a whole different thing. And, uh, the, uh, Bio Omega, yeah. um, Beyond the Darkness, and. A
1: couple other things that they've which, done. Which you and I watched recently, and it was very ridiculous. The music was great, but the it was just...
2: For a movie that was <laughs> this hyped up for me, because I've
1: read about it for years, it was...
2: It was disappointing. But that's a review, I think, for another day. We'll have to rewatch that. So
0: 4 out of 5 goals. 4.5 out of 5 goals. Yeah, I
2: mean, even though it's not my favorite Argento, it's not because it's not an excellent... It's one of his best films, like, in terms of technically and all the rest. And it's one of his... It's dreamy, but it's also sensible. Like, for the most part, the logic kind of flows pretty well. There's a lot of long setups for death scenes where you're thinking to yourself why are you acting like this? This is silly. But that's all of his movies, and I'm mm. in it to see women get slaughtered, so he provides that amply. You only and
0: saw two women get killed in this movie, though. One, There's two right two, off the bat. Two, and then the blank... I don't want to spoil it. Yeah. Okay,
2: but regardless, I mean, they set them up. They're, it's the third of the movie. Yeah. Is, the, is the prolonged getting-to-the-kill scenes. Yeah. So, and it has a great atmosphere, a great soundtrack, the whole nine. It's just... It's not your standard, it's got many Giallo aspects of it, and it's got all of Argento's trademarks. It's like the movie that basically sets his uh, whole visual tone, kind of. It's the, the, the pinnacle, I'd say, visually for him.
1: Yeah, I, if you watch all of his older movies, it seems like the apex of what he was working towards as far as visually. Yeah. Because like when we did the review, when we did the Giallo episode... um Four Flies on Grey Velvet, there are some shots that remind me of this movie.
2: And that was the movie I think he did
1: right before this one, and Mm -hmm. he had taken a break for a couple years between the two. I believe so. But it's a good movie, and you should see it, and the soundtrack's really funky. And you should listen to it, because it's good. Yeah. I liked it. I liked it
0: a lot.
2: Yeah, so that was a good one. Um, So we're going to return, because I'm an egomaniac, to the segment we started last time which is Dick Ryder's Disco Ball uh, Yeah uh, I just want to talk about a couple things real quick uh, the first being this band Blood Incantation who are a death metal band from Colorado and they put out an album called Starspawn last year and uh, I specifically want to mention it because we recently had our Halloween movie party uh, a couple days before Halloween and as part of that, we watched The Void, which is a uh, mixture of H.P. Lovecraft mythos, John Carpenter-style splatter effects, tentacles, um, cultists, everything good you could want in a film, pretty the much. The music
1: is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, every, everything about the way the movie is, is just, it's, it's perfect. Yeah. And I'm a, 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 how can I put it, devout lover
2: of H.P. Lovecraft in all of his glory, and many of the things he's inspired and this band in many ways makes me think of what he talks about when he talks about the cosmic beings that exist beyond our time and dimension and what their starscape might look like and so i had heard this band a little bit earlier this year and they were on a lot of top 10 lists last year for this album that they put out and um i'm slow to new music at times so They've been kind of growing on me, and then with this, you know, watching The Void, I was really struck with this desire to listen to music that kind of brought about this kind of uh, Lovecraftian atmosphere. And while they're a death metal band, they're a very cosmic and spacey death metal band. Their first track on the on the album is like 16 minutes long and filled with breaks where they go into these multiple minute long solos that are all just spaced out and like... droning and... Yeah, super trippy and really cool, and... Um, so that's been really something that's getting a lot of plays here, really enjoying that and then uh the other I wanted to mention for the same reasons was a band that I don't own any of their material yet because it's all out of print and super cult and whatever, but the Finnish funeral doom band called Thergothon who were considered by many to be the progenitors of funeral doom, which is doom metal taken to the utmost slowest, although not reaching sun or conate-style levels of drone doom and whatnot, but just being still heavy metal, but like at this super slow funeral pace with this dirge-like aspect that goes beyond most doom. There's none of the Bathian groove, and it's all atmosphere and gloom and and a lot of it quickly went into a symphonic route where they added synthesizers or violins or cellists or female vocalists many of those bands um skepticism forget the other one evokin uh mournful congregation there are a lot of them from finland there's some from australia there's some from the u.s uh esoteric is the one i think from the uk they mostly all kind of are boring as hell to me but this band was straight up, their first demo is called and Nag Yog sopheth uh, and then all the songs kind of harken back to Lovecraftian Mythos stuff, and then their album, which is basically just the demo and a couple other songs, same kind of thing. And they're really, really good. They have a very unique sound. The demo is better than their single album. It's got twin guitar attacks, but they're not like... It's kind of the antithesis of blood incantation. It's the slowest thing you've ever heard, but equally trippy and otherworldly and just this creeping, fungal, infectious type of doom sound that's like moss slowly overtaking a rock or something. And they're they're one of
1: those bands that... uh, You know, Frank uh, Dick Fetty shares a lot of music with me, and it was one of those bands... There's been a few (coughs) over the years that we've been friends where I've listened to it, and I've been like, yes, this is a thing I want to do. Um, And this is definitely one of them as, as soon as he put it on for me it was it was just like a like a light bulb went off and it's it's very very good so listen to it and that's it
0: i have nothing to add to
1: that. Do you do you have anything for um public domain yet
0: I mean, I could go into what I feel are the key moments of Mary Had a Little Lamb, but I don't think
1: we have time for it tonight. Yeah, we don't have time for it. No, I didn't prepare. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't honestly think you guys would want to do public domain. I mean, if if you've got something to share, then share it. If,
0: if I had known you guys were gonna ask me to do this, I would have prepared. I don't. That's gonna be on tape. You're farting right next to my face. No. Almost are you directly on, no, on the please. idea. God. That's not what I'm doing at all. Maybe next week I will get together what I feel are the key moments of He's a Jolly Good Fellow, but
1: this week I'm just not ready. This week we're in the dark. We're in the dark. Well, I want to do a segment called Beardos Best Buys, which I'm going to do at the end of the episode. Okay. Okay.
0: This this podcast is going to end up being four hours long an episode. Yeah, so which means four hours longer
2: for the people who enjoy it.
1: Yeah. It's true.
0: You know what?
2: Anything that's good is good for longer.
1: And we do this because we love it, not because yeah. we're
0: getting paid. Sex, masturbation, yeah. ketamine, yeah, acid I- trips. I feel like the longer they go on, the more terrifying all of that becomes. Yeah, but
2: terror is good. That's what makes you feel alive.
1: Yeah.
0: Ghouls don't know
2: terror, so no. they never feel the alive. Oh. Ghouls are the terror.
1: The terror in the night that rocks the cradle with ghoulish hands. So, uh, like was mentioned, um, we're doing an episode tonight that I am ecstatic for. Uh, it's been part of my... Life I guess for as long as I can remember since elementary school. Something that I've spent many nights obsessing over, getting lost on the internet over and hoping is real, albeit the older I get the less whimsy I have about these things.
0: Uh, isn't it sad when the whimsy dissipates? Sap
1: like a ghoul from a summer sun. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: so uh
1: Dick Fetty, um would you like to kick
2: it off? I'd like to kick it off. So, uh, I'm going to present, essentially, research, which is all taken from the book The Jersey Devil, Mm. by James F. McCloy and Ray Miller Jr., who I believe were both, and may still be, New Jersey residents. Yes. The original pressing or publishing of it was 1976. I read the 14th printing from 1999. And I'm not going to... I didn't do the level of outlining that we do for, say, Japanese serial killers or giallo films because this is one of those where it's less about the specifics and kind of more about the whole
1: general mythos, for lack of a better word. And uh, just to let everyone know, they did do a follow-up book to this, which is kind of the same thing, but with more, um, a little bit more information and a little bit more of a cultural aspect of the effect of the lore. Uh, Called Phantom of the Pines. If you guys are interested in either reading this or any
2: other stuff by them, okay. So uh, this book was lent to me by Ben the Beardo, and as I started to read it, I remembered that my mom read it to me when I moved to New Jersey when I was ten. That's so funny. And I'm gonna get into more of my personal history, experience, and whatnot with the Jersey Devil after I go through this, just sort of base level research, but. Uh, the origin of the Jersey Devil starts sometime in the 1700s. The myth came about uh, approximately 17, 1735, although it's possible the myth came later and that's just the date they point back to. It's all sort of hard to say as most of it's uh, word of mouth, folklore, uh, basically urban legends or forest legends or you know whatever you want to call them from South Jersey. So there is this region in uh, South Jersey called the Pine Barrens that used to stretch pretty much the bottom half of the state, south of Trenton, but even going up that far. It has since been, I don't want to say decimated, although that might be the appropriate word at it's this point. It's a pretty
0: point. good word yeah. for it. Uh,
2: by the overpopulation in the state and the country generally. I'm going to try not to go onto a political rant. Um and essentially, all the edges of it have been slowly eaten up by land developers, industry, but mostly just land developers in, in the ever-growing suburbia that is South Jersey, and, or farming, because a lot of the stuff was just taken over for farms back in the 17, 18, and 1900s earlier. Right. Um, so the Pine Barrens are unique because the forest is not tall. It is mostly in this boggy, sandy... Some of it's marshy, some of it's just straight sand. It's this awful barren soil, hence the name. And basically, only. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah.
0: I never put that together. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
2: You need to mock me but, for last week's thing. I'm
0: not mocking you. Oh, okay. I generally did not put that together. Yeah, barren so. It's, barren, as in.
1: Barren. Ba- yeah, like a womb. Yeah. It's. it's and they're, <laughs> the forest is. It can get very dense at points, too.
2: Which is odd, but the soil is always this just mixture of thick, dead pine needles and sand. Or marshy, filthy
1: runoff.
0: Sorry, guys. No
1: problem. Nice. That's my bad. Um, and it's... And it's... There's moro, It's It's... It's a surprise that anything can even grow there.
2: Yeah, and it basically stretches from west, south Jersey, all the way to east, south Jersey, to Atlantic City... And um, it is encompassed in, so it used to really spread from Mercer County to Burlington County to Camden County, down to Salem County, Cumberland County, Gloucester County, Atlantic County, Cape May County, and Ocean County. If you're interested, look at a map, check it out. But like we said, bottom half of South Jersey. What's interesting about it now more than ever is that it's still... There's a large portion of the Pine Barrens there. We all drive through it on our way to the shore, to the casinos, to our heroin dealers, whatnot. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you sort of take it for granted. And it's especially odd because New Jersey is the most densely populated state in the country. It is a very tiny state. And so much of it hasn't been disturbed because now it's protected land, thank God. So, yeah, that's where this story starts. And forever and still to this day the pine barrens and the people that live deep in the pine barrens or on the edges of the pine barrens are generally pretty poor pretty run down and there's never really been an economic golden age even at the best of times it wasn't a rich area um but you know it had its moments of prosperity especially in the early 1800s when the iron ore industries of some uh, the central united states and western United States hadn't really been established. It was an area where ore was dredged up from the swamps and dug up from the ground and whatnot. There are still quarries out there, although they're not not huge, but they're still out there.
1: Um, well, that's the thing. Like um, Growing up, there's, there's um, deposits of quarries everywhere that collect a lot of water, have a lot of water in them. And I can't tell you how many times I've been chased out of those things by state police yeah. because... We're not allowed to swim there, but we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: because it's super dangerous. I
1: did a lot of quarry yeah. swimming.
2: Yeah, because quarries are uh, unknowably deep and filled with potentially hazardous chemicals as well as sharp, jagged rocks and what? leftover mining equipment
0: and is all that kind of stuff. If it new Jersey, then I don't know what is. Yeah, swim
2: no, live or free or quarry. die, understandably. So out of this dense, marshy, sandy forest comes the Jersey Devil, and the general consensus among... Legend, havers, or what you want to call them, is that Mother Leeds gave birth to an unwanted 13th child in 1735 at Leeds Point, which is essentially north of Atlantic City, right near the east coast of New Jersey, which borders the ocean for those who don't know New Jersey. The Atlantic Ocean's on the east coast. So um, the child was born either deformed. Deformed and still in a human state or deformed in the sense of it was part animal or it was all animal It was an amalgamation of animals Uh, Some say that the misleads cursed the child herself and the child eventually took a misshapen form Some say the child was born fine, but she locked it in a shed and became deformed or it grew into some horrible
1: creature Uh, So and this is like, this is, I've, you know, I've lived in other states and this is, it, it's one of those stories that um, when people find out I'm from New Jersey, I, I, they always be like, oh, tell, tell me the story. Because, I mean, here you, you meet any number of people and they know who the Jersey Devil is and they might give you one of the nine possible originations of it. Um, and it's just one of those things that it's, the, the, the payoff is the same, that Mother Leeds, if it was born to Mother Leeds. Um, and probably the most popular story that she, her husband was kind of like off all the time didn't help her take care of the kids and she already had 12 and they are all running around the house being little dicks and shit so Mm -hmm. she was like, you know what let this 13th one let it be a devil and uh, like Dick Fetty had mentioned there's, my, my favorite version of the story will always be that it came out as human and then morphed into this grotesque thing and then flew all around their house out the window or out the the chimney killed one of the uh the wet nurses yeah yeah. it's just so you know it's oh i love it i'm sorry please continue yeah
2: no so it's like rosemary's baby kind of uh but with more wet nurses and more marshland poorness and more
1: shitty husbands
2: right 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 Although, you know, if you got 12 kids, he's probably fucking working, so honestly, give the guy a break. (laughs) I don't even know his first name. Anyways. Saw the Leeds. Yeah, the the supposed... There's the Shrouds house where the child was born, hypothetically, and there's also the Leeds house, which is now a sunken pit. And people in Leeds point hate this legend because people come every full moon, and especially towards the fall, to
1: come check out the Birthplace of the Jersey Devil, and there's nothing there. There's nothing there's there. There's nothing there. <laughs> if you can, e- the, even if you knew where to find it, you wouldn't be able to find it because there's legitimately nothing there anymore. Yeah. Over people, there were there was a point where there was some foundation left, and people just kept taking it.
0: Yeah. So mm-hmm. everything's gone. Yeah.
2: There's just a sunken pit and a bunch of really pissed off locals. So leave them alone. <laughs> Don't go to Leeds Point. Everything I read online indicated that they did not like it, and they say the same <laughs> in the book. Uh, but some other legends about where it came from were that it was the child of an American woman and a British soldier during the Revolutionary War. She conceived a child with his British soldier, and then she gave birth to a devil because she was disloyal and banged some British soldier, that like the harlot like
0: she was. Government propaganda. But
2: eh, like it could like be. It just could be like Rome. just general male, you know. Yeah. Duchery from the 1700s, but you know, <laughs> women are terrible and they give birth to demons, so... I don't know that that's a blanket statement
0: we can just throw No, it
2: out. I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't we don't endorse any kind of misogyny here it was just a joke. Okay. Probably a microaggression and I'm sorry for it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, uh, there's another one that says it was born in Estelleville 1855, or Pleasantville around the same time. Um, you know, it's kind of origin goes anywhere from 1735 to 1850 right and there's a lot of different stories about that but uh yeah so there's these different legends we all kind of heard them growing up and there are no birth records to support anybody under the name of devil or jersey was uh, <laughs> born during that time frame but uh some of the other interesting things around that time it, frame was uh, Joseph Bonaparte who was a former king of Spain and brother of Napoleon Bonaparte apparently lived in Bordentown New Jersey yeah
0: that's a true
2: thing yeah that's a true thing and um, in between 1816 and 1835 was said to have seen the Jersey Devil while he was out hunting on his land which Bordentown is more central Jersey but still borders the Pine Barrens back when they weren't all cut down and he claimed to have seen the Jersey Devil uh, during the War of 1812, Commodore Stephen de Cotter went to the Hanover Ironworks in the Pine Barrens to check out the quality of the cannonballs that they were smelting. And when he was at the firing range, the Jersey Devil came and landed at the other end of the range and he shot a cannonball at it, but it appeared unharmed and flew away. And sort of from the beginning, the description of the Jersey Devil as it sort of became more and more of a legend was that it had often a horse-like face or a dog-like face but a horse-like head, uh, generally a long neck, wings of some type, sometimes long legs, sometimes short stubby legs. A lot of the times, and we'll get into this a little bit later, the legs are said to be bigger in the
1: back and smaller in the front. It had a tail, it didn't have a tail. Um, But there's also uh, one story, I don't know if uh, you covered it in your outline, but um, there's a story of a woman who, I believe she was blueberry picking, Mm. And it's one of the more famous sightings, and she saw this thing that kind of looked like a monkey, almost. And uh, she ran from it, got in her car, sped away, and this thing was keeping up with her. I always thought that was the funniest one, because it's so far off from, like, 90% of the descriptions of the Jersey Delvas, this, like, little monkey-like thing with big jaws mm. and shit.
2: But see, to me, that, that <clears throat> reminds me of the famous bit from The Twilight Zone, where William Shatner sees the gremlin on the side of the airplane... And then he keeps telling the stewardess that the gremlins out there messing with the engines, and nobody believes them. And I forget how it ends, but it ends poorly. Yes. And, it does. Uh, <laughs> uh, but my point being that I don't know that idea of some like creature running alongside you or monkey. Like I don't know that that scares me. That, yeah, uh, that's that gives terrifying. Me the, yeah, that gives me the spooks. So, anywho, yeah. So basically, the legend grows and grows. They use it as the sort of boogeyman of South Jersey. Uh, from the time that it exists. And things really pop off in January of 1909 when the Jersey Devil was sighted throughout towns in New York, Pennsylvania, Delaware, and pretty much all up and down New Jersey, primarily focused in South Jersey. But he was super active. The grand
1: tour. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and I mean, he
2: showed up in... What was really interesting to me was reading this book, it's really well-written, but it's also... Very, I don't want to say like childish, it's an easy read. It's very like this could be for a 10 year old to read who's interested in the Jersey Devil, or it could be for a 29 year old to read who's interested in the Jersey mm-hmm. Devil, and it's equally fun. And part of what I liked about it was like, I've been to all these towns, yeah, I've been to almost every place they mention. Yeah. I grew up in one of the places he stopped, and I don't want to go through all of the sightings. I'm not going to go on and on because that could take us an hour. And frankly, I would really just recommend reading this book. It's 120 pages. You can pick it up and finish it in a single sitting. And it's a lot of fun. But basically, from Sunday to, I think it was Saturday night, the Jersey Devil goes all over. And as he goes on through this rampage, this weekly long thing, um, the reports... They're all a little different, but some of them are more similar than others. He winds up being in many places at once, very far from each other at times, especially with the traffic of today. I mean, in terms of distance, actually, doesn't travel that that far. Mm-hmm. But for any creature to travel 10 miles in a snowy January winter, I, I find you know hard to believe. But uh, basically, the Jersey Devil shows up on his big thing was rooftops. Uh, he really liked the, the third rail or just the, the trolley lines and yep. stuff like that. Yeah. They found a lot of chicken coops that had been rustled, messed with, etc. Um, he would show up in, basically, outside of people's windows late at night often and do a little jig, give a little look, shake <laughs> his booty. I mean, they don't really say that, but essentially, like, I'm imagining this Jersey Devil just been like, fuck fucking with you. Here I am. No <laughs> one's going to believe you. And then he just flies off. And... Uh, A lot of the witnesses describe him as having this hissing like steam sound other ones describe it as this more of like a rotary engine almost kind of starting up as a kind of a thing. He hisses. Two people in Philadelphia said they saw him breathe fire. Many a woman fainted. Um, And basically they found tracks in many of these places that didn't match any animal that they knew or any animal that should have been in these places. So they would find chicken coops where there'd be all these horse tracks or,
1: like, dog tracks or
2: somewhere between a horse and a dog And they'd whatever. be in
1: places where these animals couldn't get to, like a rooftop or yeah. the top of a fence or, right. like, from a backyard to a fence to the next backyard. Right. And the uh, <clears throat> as
2: it started to pick up momentum, which it sort of peaked on, I believe it was the Wednesday night of the week hysteria was at such a point that everybody believed this was really happening that this jersey devil was terrorizing people and while it didn't attack a single person during its entire week-long tour it supposedly maimed a dog ate a bunch of chickens and then towards the end they found um oh, but that was later on <coughs> that wasn't that week. um you know, it didn't really do much other than stir people up. And people were barricading themselves in their homes. They were getting all yeah. these posses together to go and chase it. And they would run down these tracks for like three miles, four miles, ten
1: miles. And then they would vanish. And they would have no idea. And one that's in. the thing. Like, it, you know, it, with a lot of monster stories or like local lore about monsters and stuff, you hear all these things about these creatures acting like monsters, attacking people. And for the most part, this week grand tour that the Jersey Devil had for all intents and purposes, it acted like an animal. Mm -hmm. You know, it it was, it was moving. It was eating. It, it, when it saw things, for the most part, it ran away when it saw people like an animal would, you know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't like, no one was like, it ate, it ate my grandmother. It Mm. ate my baby. You know, it's, ah, man, I just, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to keep interrupting this whole episode. This no, that old lore gets me well, so that, fired up.
0: That's what is so interesting to me. Like, 1909, like, that's a while ago. That's over 100 years ago. But, like, the fact that really? people were... So, <laughs> thanks. I'm really good at math. I'm known for it. People math, were, like... It. Schools were shutting down for this week. People were not, like... People weren't going to work. And then there were, like, gangs of men going out to hunt. Like, I don't know if they're just... They were... Well, clearly, they were just dumber back then. But, like, <laughs> I it, don't like... Whipped them into such a hist- It's just so crazy to think about in twenty seventeen,
2: yeah, well, i don't I don't want to throw any judgments in terms of the intelligence of the people involved. And a big part of the book or not a big part, but part of the book that they talk about was this wasn't just seen by the local drunkards in towns across South Jersey and Pennsylvania. The Jersey devil was seen by. Um, freeholders. It was um, seen by multiple policemen. Yeah. Before the, even the, a lot of the reports started coming out, one of the first people that saw it, I think it was the second guy, was a, a cop in Trenton who yep. shot at it. I mean, it was seen by postmasters. It was seen by people that were trusted by the community and had no real reason to make it up. And, they, and
1: some of these people, especially in the United States, don't even know the legend, don't know what yeah. they, I say. Mean, and as far as legends go, at this point, it wasn't that old. It, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't something steeped in like 500 years you know it was 2 300 years right. and it was mostly a local legend up until this point point. and then you know this grand exodus of the jersey devil just going everywhere that it could for this week long span really gave it notoriety and uh, worried people right. and i mean we see things like similar to this nowadays where like you know, mass hysteria and stuff like that. Yeah, but
2: I, I want to touch on that after we get through this and the right. whole idea about what happened in 1909. Right,
1: And but it, it's, it's one of those things that, like, one, it would have been impossible for a single perpetrator to do, like, even if someone took credit for that. And there are things that we'll get to where people created hoaxes. Yeah. And I believe there was at one point where, like, the entire state said this is a hoax yeah this thing is definitely not real yeah that was in the 50s yeah so but it's it was it's such a crazy span of a week for all these things to happen that people are going to be terrified
0: yeah no it's definitely and you want to touch on it but
1: like it's mass hysteria it's just building
0: on top of
2: well and and what is interesting is that the sort of paper one of the main papers that was part of this was the Philadelphia Inquirer and the Philadelphia Press, which were printing cartoons, drawings, articles, and whatever about it. And there are pictures in this book all throughout it that show both old-timey maps of South Jersey and the routes it took, and then all these different depictions that they made of the Jersey Devil, which is fun. But the thing that is impressive about it is that multiple people on the same day who had no relationship to each other would describe creatures that were very similar. They weren't always similar to the creature described the one in Woodbury might be different than the one in Trenton. Sometimes he had black eyes. Sometimes he had eyes like burning coals. Sometimes he had fur. Sometimes he didn't. Kangaroo was a common theme. The kangaroo with wings, you know, this kind of long head. And, Which
1: we'll get to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: But, um, you know, basically it's, it's interesting because there's evidence that there was something there. But at the same time, there's... It doesn't seem likely that a devil of any type was there. But then what was it, you know? And, uh... And he kept showing up, and he just wouldn't stop. But, yeah, he mostly would charge at people tops and then fly away. And, you know, at the end of this week, they never killed it. They never caught it. They never really figured out what it was. People chilled out, but people were still concerned about it. And this, what was an old wives' tale that wasn't even 200 years old. You're talking 150 years Mm -hmm, tops, mm -hmm. um, you know, is now something that is really a legend with traction in the area. And when you're talking the history of the United States, it's like the oldest... Um, legend from the United States mm-hmm. or one of them.
1: Um, Outside of like Native American stuff. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the oldest like modern day quote unquote legend
2: yeah, well, it's a, that we have. Yeah, European mm-hmm. colonist legend. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Yeah, And um, so yeah, so it's again like there the book goes into detail. I'd say almost a third to half of the book is just about that week because the sightings are just endless. But you know, the thing about it is that it it showed up or something showed up and it scared a lot of different people. And like Alexa said, there was uh, school closings, work closings. I mean, towns were shutting down. People were barricading themselves in their houses. And there was a real fear that there was a creature on the loose that was going to harm people. And it's amazing that given things like the Salem Witch Trial and other events that have transpired over American history, or just human history generally, nobody got strung up or murdered for this. Which really, to me, was... A nice, like, you know, there was a couple of animals abused a little later on, but outside of that, um, you know, they didn't really, nobody got murdered over the
0: Jersey Devil. I would just right. love to time travel and go back and watch a roving gang of, like, youths try and hunt the Jersey roving gang?
1: I would be a part of I, that that's gang. That's what I'm saying. Would, yeah. That would be oh so God. cool to just fucking,
0: I wish I could just go back.
1: Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't have any rights, though. I wouldn't. That's true. I couldn't even vote yet. Dick Fetty would be like, stay in the house. Watch the children. Beardo and I are on the hunt. Yeah. And I swear to God, if you put on shoes... (laughs) Don't you be drinking my drinking drinks. (laughs) I'll give you a good wallop when I get home. Don't you worry, sweetie butt. It
0: means he loves me.
1: (laughs) That's right. So, uh...
2: Towards the end of the hoax in Philly, as they always do, they ruin everything, and um, they, uh, the Ninth and Arch Museum claimed that they
1: caught the Jersey Devil alive, and uh, do you want to talk about this, Ben? Yes, I do. So, okay, and like, I I, I recently heard a little bit more about the story than, than I knew, so essentially what they did was, they, they wanted to drum up sales and everything, and they wanted more people to come to that shitty little
2: dime, dime store store. Not even what well, was like a it was like a dime uh, freak show circus yeah oddities and, yeah
1: oddities and stuff like that. So what they did was they got a kangaroo, um, and they they were like okay we're gonna turn this kangaroo into the Jersey Devil we're gonna get some wings on the bastard we're gonna you know we're gonna get some ticket sales and we're gonna show it to him real quick so nobody actually knows that it's a kangaroo. So first thing mm-hmm. they did was they painted the whole thing green. <laughs> <laughs> Which, Which probably not good for yeah. Probably wasn't any kind of safe die for the animals' fur. No, uh, they had issue um, with getting the wings to stay on. At first, they tried to tie them on, but they kept like getting all sloshed and stuff. Well, it's so, a
2: kangaroo. Kangaroos, right. right? They can they can kick you so hard, they can break your rib cage. So imagine a kangaroo who's now painting green and super pissed off, <laughs> with his wings on He's like, "Nah, brah!"
1: <laughs> slamming into his cage. Well, it gets worse because they, I, I believe they ended up stapling the oh, wings to it. Oh my god! That's not even the worst part. So what they would do when people would come in, they pay, you know, they pay their money like we're gonna see the chosen Devil. Woo, it's gonna be so scary? So they had it in a cage behind a curtain. So they'd open the curtain. And they do this real quick. They'd open the curtain and there'd be a guy behind it, like, hiding in the shadows uh, with a stick with a nail on the end. And, oh, and they'd sad. jab him so yeah. it would jump forward and they'd close the curtain and everyone would be like,
0: Ah!
1: At the time, what they thought was good, clean fun.
2: But at the same time, it mentions in the book specifically, so the guy who was responsible for this was G. Hart- George Hartzell, who was this uh, not-so-reputable guy who ran the place... And basically, he claimed that men had seen it in this park. Where was it? Uh, Lee Street in Philadelphia, uh, near the eastern end of Allegheny Avenue. And they'd seen it in a park, and men from the town were gonna go get the Jersey Devil. So there was a guy named Norman Jeffries who was hired by George Hartzell uh, to pull off this hoax. And essentially, he rounded up a bunch of people, dressed them up as farmers, and they brought the kangaroo into these woods and then the woods were the park was essentially closed by the city at that time because i don't know whether it was winter or they were fumigating for ticks or whatever but um they bring the kangaroo in and they bring in all these guys who are farmers and they catch the beast in the woods so people can hear it and they yeah. can but nobody can see what's really happening wow. and then they bring it to this this theater on ninth and arch which is pretty much chinatown which mm-hmm. explains a lot Uh, but anyways, so they bring it to the theater and my understanding from the book was that they didn't paint the entire kangaroo green, but they painted green stripes on it. And they, they paid for this kangaroo from like the Bronx. They had a guy in New York who sent them down the kangaroo and they painted stripes with one type of paint and the kangaroo hated it and like ripped it off and licked it off and whatever. And then they painted new stripes. And then like you said, with the wings and the whole nine yards, but needless to say a classic case of animal cruelty for the, uh, enjoyment (coughs) of the populace. There was also claims that it was captured in South Jersey and that it was dead and they had, um, you know, it was on display for the local townsmen and blah, 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 but then there was actually no record that the person who claimed to have gotten it ever existed and it was totally a hoax. And there was another where in um, somewhere else in New Jersey, uh, they took together what were leftovers from a taxidermist shop and basically taxidermied this big creature together and took a picture of it and said, here's the Jersey Devil. Dude, mm. like, nah, that's not it. So that pretty much concludes 1909, the week of January, um, where it showed up. That's dope. And then the Jersey Devil basically disappeared for a long time after that and showed up here and there in the... 30s 50s and sort of into present day and there was a hoax in the woods where a man was hiking and in the pine barrens and he saw what looked to be kind of bear tracks but thought it might be the jersey devil and they later determined that they were in fact fake tracks because they found this bear paw at the end of a pole that had been discarded where the tracks ended
1: which before uh, planning? Which why? Which yeah, am, right. I'm just gonna like you got scare. one guy who's like playing the whole thing out to the point where he's planning a fake capture for mm-hmm. the Jersey Devil, and then you got some guy with a stick and a bear paw, and he's like, "Yeah, this will be good. I'll just throw this over here. <laughs> Nobody'll find it." Right. And then in
2: 1951, there were sightings of the Jersey Devil in Gibbstown. possies were rounded up. They went out looking for it police chief started to get an influx of both people who came to see the jersey devil and a bunch of young men just carrying around guns getting drunk looking for the devil Damn. and uh they that was when they announced that the jersey devil was a hoax in south jersey and they were like stop coming to our goddamn town to find this freaking devil like yeah you're, you're the devils and um you yeah, know that kind of brings us into modern day there's there's more information in the book and i'm sure if you go on wikipedia or wherever else you could probably pull out the more specific details, but it's, again, it's not about the details, it's about, it's about the sort of whole thing.
1: Well, that's the thing, like, telling the, and, telling in, like, reading about the Jersey Devil is, is going into the history of this state. Yeah. You know, it, it embodies a lot of things about this state and is, like, permeated into, like, a few different things, like uh, our hockey team, even though I don't sports ball, is called the Jersey Devils, mm. you know? It, there's a tattoo shop where I got my most recent tattoo called Jersey Devil Tattoo. And it's so ingrained into our culture more so than any other state cryptid. And like grown up, like this was like my first experience with like cryptozoology, something that like I later got super obsessed with for a number of years to the point where like I was checking forums every week, every day, just about like new sightings and stuff like that. But this is the one that really encompasses a whole state. It's not just, you know, you you can go to New Mexico and, you know, Mexico and talk about the Chupacabra and stuff. But, like, or you you go to Loch Ness. Nessie. But, you know, not all of Scotland's talking about the Loch Ness Monster. Everyone in our state at least knows part of the legend of the Jersey mm-hmm. devil. Yeah.
0: Whereas growing up with the lore and it's like, I know for me, and and what I'll talk about later when you guys are ready for me too, it's like that was very real as a family that camped, like, all the time growing up, like, that was a huge part of us growing up, like, the real fear of the Jersey Devil and being in the woods with the Jersey Devil, and I heard totally different, like, lore about what he looked like, how he acts, like, the stuff that my dad told me about the Jersey Devil is not, has, was clearly just pulled out of his ass. Um, but it was very real fear. Fair.
2: Well, I think before we touch on that, um, I guess the last thing I'll say, and they mention it towards the end of the book is sort of what the Jersey devil is in modern times and what the story has morphed into. And he has basically become used for all different manner of sort of moral tale telling and, um, Boogeyman type of uh, spook tail stuff, and they mentioned that, like, pretty much anybody who's camped in the woods has heard a Jersey Devil tale to get them spooked if you're camping in New Jersey. It's our fireside boogeyman, probably. exactly right. And you know, for a lot of kids, especially in the South Jersey area growing up, you know, the idea is it's not the boogeyman that's going to get you if you misbehave, it's the Jersey Devil. And while sometimes he's described as this devil himself, a lot of times he's more of a prankster, or sometimes he's there to really like right karmic imbalance and uh will harm people that have done harm to other people you know And he he kind of comes in and balances the the check if you will for people in the south jersey area and has made appearances to people you know in that sort of manner and they also claim that he's a harbinger of war or crop failure but also is like was used as an anti-war symbol among folklore in the
1: south jersey area during the vietnam war and stuff like that and that he would come around warning Something bad's gonna happen. Yeah,
2: or, like, just generally being, you know, anti-war and whatever else. And <laughs>
1: That's so dope. Yeah, Jersey and it's... Jersey Devil's anti-war.
2: And it's cool because it's, like, <clears throat> a big part of what the authors sort of talk about is um, this idea that, you know, the Jersey Devil, really, for people in South Jersey, is an easier way to deal with the def- fears you have living life where you know abstract horror abstract evil is a difficult thing to uh, wrestle with and the idea that you know whether it's men or society or the world is inherently evil isn't a problem that any one person can deal with but the idea that evil can manifest as a jersey devil or any other thing that could be killed or hunted or whatever allows us to have a sort of mental scapegoat to place that you know sin of human nature on or whatever you want to call it and is appealing in that way but also is just like fun thing to tell your kids to get them
1: spooked Mm -hmm. at night. I just I find it so interesting because I I was so obsessed with this this folklore that I found almost everything I could as far as like multimedia and stuff like about it Mm -hmm. so there there was a um uh paranormal state episode where they went searching for and they caught it on thermal cam looked terrible, but as most of those shows do, (coughs) um, there was an X-Files episode, which... One of the worst. Yeah, probably... (laughs) Definitely the worst of that season, minimum. Yeah, Yeah. the first season. But it's just... It's... Like, without the Jersey Devil lore, would we have Weird New Jersey? Like, would we have all these things that... that's true. As Jerseyites... Yeah. Yeah. Jerseyites. Would we be obsessed with these things. And this is the thing that, like, I guess we'll get into per- personal experiences.
2: Yeah, and I and I, I just want to touch on what you just said. I mean, that that's that's the thing that I think makes the Jersey Devil so cool is that there's a lot of weird stuff in the Pine Barrens. There's a lot of ruins of these old um, refineries, glass-making plants, paper mill plants um just run down houses all sorts of stuff most of it's overgrown being that it's already kind of in the wilderness and whatnot but there's all this cool weird stuff to check out in new jersey and it would be spooky and fun all on its own as those things are especially when you're younger and you, your mind has still got that wonder and that whimsy mm-hmm. and that that willingness to believe in something a little bit supernatural but when you add the idea that the jersey devil could be lurking in those vast pine barrens anywhere you know and show up when you go to check out one of the many things in the pine barrens it just adds this extra element of danger and spookiness mm-hmm. and and it makes every adventure just that like little bit more exciting especially when you're stoned and you're 16 or whatever else mm-hmm.
1: yeah we'll, we'll when this episode drops we'll post um some pictures some of the more famous uh renderings of him um and the maps too from the 1909 grand tour sure. uh on the instagram Uh, Flex will probably have to calm me down with that Because I'll just be like, post this one Post this one, post this one too Oh, this one's really good, this one's really cool Um, Do you want to tell us, Flex, about your uh... Yeah,
0: it's It really is cool, and I've got some cool Family lore, just like Good stories and stuff that's happened with us But I specifically, when we said We were going to do this episode, like, wanted to speak To both my dad and my brother And my mom a little bit about this incident that happened um, I was Born, I was I was like three or two at the time, but I didn't go obviously with them. We were, we were camping. So I spoke to both my dad today and my brother and I got both their perspectives on the incident. And I'm going to go with my brother's first and then bring it back around to my dad's. But essentially my brother was five or six and we were camping at Lake Candle, um, which is out on the Pine Barrens. I don't know if it's still a campground, but they went on a hike and, um, they're walking, and Kevin had told me, Kevin, my brother, had told me, you know, he, from camping before, maybe just his camping trip, he had been told, um, about the Jersey Devil that he was basically, like, half goat, that he had, like, goat legs, and that he played the flute. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's so funny, because, n- like, none of this is in the lore at all, but that he played the flute, he was, like, half goat, and he was a... Uh, not like a karmic good, but he wouldn't fuck with you if you didn't fuck with him. So this mm. is the stuff that's instilled in my brother's tiny six-year-old yeah, It brain. sounds like Pan.
2: It, maybe, m- maybe it is, but... Well, you know, Pan's like the, I guess he was the Greek god, right? He was, uh... I think he hung out with, uh... He was Bac- a Bacchus. Bac- Bac- yeah. And, uh... He had like goat legs, and he had like sort of a goatish face and little horns, and he played the flute and got drunk.
0: Well, lured I'm, basically sh- told I'm him sure pain. my dad just was pulling <laughs> stuff that he didn't even know about and was telling this. And I was talking to my mom today, and that's your
1: Jersey Devil.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But no wings.
1: Okay, Dick um, Fad is showing a picture of a famous postcard. So my, sheets. My yeah. mom
0: had said, you know, you get pregnant really young, you have a kid at twenty. What you'd like? what are you going to do you scare the shit out of them like it's something to do and I thought that was really funny and made me laugh but basically they're walking and they're walking and they hit this patch of forest where it gets like eerie silent like they can't really hear their footsteps and they can't really hear like the, there's no light getting in through the trees and this is like in the middle of the day and they're walking and they're walking and um they hear music they hear, like, flute music, and my dad is, like, holy shit, that's, that's the same music from the Jersey Devil, please, and so, like, <laughs> they're walking, and they're walking, and they, like, get up, and my brother's, like, I can still picture myself, because they're, like, hiding behind a tree, and they see, like, this log cabin, basically, in the woods, and they, um, the, the music stops while they're standing at the tree, and they hear my brother hears a door open, and someone walk out, and a door closed, and he fucking books it, like, books it as fast as he can, runs all the way back to the campsite, loses a shoe on the way, my mom's like, i just bought him these sneakers, <laughs> and he, like, my, so, so my dad's rendering of this is, they're walking in the woods, and he's telling them about the Jersey Devil, and they hit a, like, a really patch of, like, um, pine trees, so, like, all the pine needles are on the ground, so it's yeah. making it, like, it's just insulating Bussies, all the sound. Yeah. yeah, and and he, they do. He, my dad was like, we did hear music. And my brother was like, it could have been, like, someone playing something on the radio or something, but my little brain was like, that's flute. And they hear the music, and my dad is like, oh my god, that's the music of the Jersey Devil, please. The Devil's Flute! And yeah, it was ACDC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the and Jethro-Tull. then they're walking, and they see the cabin, and basically like he said oh look it's the jersey and he turned around and my brother was like <laughs> fucking gone and like he got back to the campground and my brother my poor brother, is in my mom's arms sobbing and my mom's like are you fucking kidding me like what did you say to him because he was losing it so bad um and he lost one of his shoes and they never got that shoe back and it's just like it it's so funny maybe
1: because, the jersey devil took it yeah, yeah. Well,
0: because he's just like remember he remembers that the Jersey Devil would not fuck with you if you did not fuck with him. And in his mind, they were about to fuck with him. He heard that door close and the music stop and was like, the Jersey Devil has noticed us. We have to get out of here right now. And Sound logical? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, and I have memories of going camping with my parents and like my dad telling me stories about that on a totally different related note. And I just Googled it real fast. But my dad used to tell me story- stories about these creatures called snipes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've heard of this? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I just looked it up and found nothing. Because they're not... Well, you would think they're like...
2: On, no, you went on a modern-day snipe hunt. That
1: yeah. <laughs> do you, do you, you want to explain... Right, right,
0: right. Wait, wait. I've heard this before. Someone's told me about this Yeah, before. so
2: when I was a kid, I grew up in Kansas until I was almost 10. And... Uh, during one of the mini barbecues in the summer, somebody told me they were going to take me out hunting. And being uh, a kid in Kansas, I was interested in guns, really just being a kid anywhere. And uh, this is obviously before all the mass shootings and all that stuff, that has dimmed my enthusiasm. But anyway, they were like, yeah, I'll take you hunting, I'll show you how to use a gun, and we'll go get snipes. And I was like, yeah, what are they like? They're like, oh, well, they're super hard to find, and you got to go out at night with flashlights and all this stuff. And when I think back at it now, it's like they were going to arm a kid with a gun and a flashlight. <laughs> what could go wrong? They weren't gonna give you bullets. Probably not, but um, probably a BB gun. But yeah, you go on a snipe hunt, and there's no such thing as snipes. So you're out there looking for nothing forever, and it's a giant joke on whatever poor
1: bastard. Well, it's it's like in Australia where they like if you go there as a tourist and like you go out into the bush and whatnot, they'll be like, "Gotta watch out for drop bears," which don't exist. They're apparently like rabid koalas that drop on you and eat your face.
0: I have a memory of being by a campfire on my dad's lap at being, like, six years old, and my dad saying they have big, long teeth and long tails, and they Mm -hmm. come and get kids in the night, and then being like, (gasps) I think I just heard one, and me being, like, immediately bursting into tears and being really scared, but it's cute family lore, and it's a story that's told often, like, it's interesting to hear it from my brother's perspective as a small child, and my dad as a father who just looks like... And my mom was like, it was so easy to rattle Kevin as a kid. It was just, like, fun to do. Kids are idiots.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Your dad, you, can... you know, your dad's going to become infamous on this podcast. <laughs> because there are so many good stories involving your dad at this I point. I
0: really want to make a little video of family history and write write all of our tales out because mm-hmm. there are so many good ones. But I just said my last name. I'm sure nobody I'll edit them. it out. It's okay. I'll
1: call it. What's a fun last name? We can say
0: my last name. I King. think it's okay. Yeah, People I don't know. I It'll be
1: fine. Yeah, all right. Who cares? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hilarious. Do you, do you want to go into your personal? No, I'll do mine last. Okay. I have talked so much. So, um, I was lucky enough that my, my, my mom, even how straight-laced of a person she is, doesn't like horror movies, doesn't like anything like this for the most part, really fed my love for things creepy, and we had a very strange uh, section in my elementary school library that was all paranormal stuff, aliens, uh, monsters, stuff like that, and that's how I found uh, this book originally, the one that we did the research on. Um, And then she actually proceeded to go out and buy me this, and I unfortunately can't find my other one. I think it's at their their house. The sequel follow-up, ish even though it's pretty much the same book just with more information um and they're both signed copies and you know at the time i didn't know what the hell that meant but i was so stoked i was just it even still has the autograph by author sticker on the front page of the book you know it's and um i got so obsessed with this thing that like i wanted stuffed animals of it this is how young i was i wanted stuffed animals of it and so it's 20 no like well yeah i still like stuffed animals but, um, like, I scoured the internet for more information, as much information as I could find, and uh, Medicom did a toy run, I think it's called uh, Mysterious Museum or something like that, where they did these little, little like, capsule toys, mm. and they did, like, the Jersey Devil, the Mothman, Ooh. and I've been, like, putting off buying the Jersey Devil one for over a decade now, (laughs) and I'm still like, I'm going to buy it one day, and then there was this company who were like an upstart toy company that they were going to do all these like myths and cryptids and stuff, and um, it's just something that I've been obsessive over for such a long time, and I remember, you know, just swapping stories at camp and stuff about it, and um, my brother, when I was younger, because me and my brother didn't get along for like an extended period of time because he's nine years older than me and he became a teenager and whatnot. Yeah. And wanted to smoke weed and bang girls and I wanted to play with action figures and talk That's about the right. Jersey Devil. Now, I haven't rewatched the movie, but it is something I'd like to recheck out. He somehow and this was after DVDs were like a staple. Um there was a movie that came out called The Lost Broadcast, which is which was which I didn't know at the time. I thought it was like a documentary. It was a found footage film uh, about uh, this gentleman who pretty much says that, uh, hey, come out and help me hunt for the Jersey Devil, and then, like, these these dudes that were with him end up murdered. And I was young at the time, so, like, I was like, why isn't this about the Jersey Devil more? This is stupid. I don't want to watch this. And unfortunately, I lost the VHS, but, like, it's something that I think we should check out. out. Just because it's it's something that, like, I watched... Weird and very Yeah, and it's very... It's... It wasn't widely released, really.
0: I'm really surprised Supernatural hasn't done an episode about the Jersey Devil. Um, I'm...
1: I'm sure they'll get there eventually, maybe. I mean, they... It it does make sense that they would. I like that a lot. But, um...
0: Personal taste.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I grew up telling the story and and hearing the story, and, um... I... Honestly, it... one of the things I would still love to this day is to come face to face with it. Now that being said, mind you, I'm not. These stories do not claim that this thing is real. These are just experiences I had when I was very young, and um, thought I experienced something. Um, a buddy of mine, I grew up with. Uh, we were hanging out one night, and <laughs> this is gonna sound stupid. Do you play Ocarina of Time, Zelda? Okay. You know when the night falls and you hear that howl? Mm. So we're sitting in my bedroom, windows open, and we hear this howl that, like, it, it just sounded just like that and then went into a very high screech, which is very common, mostly stated that it sounds like some kind of screech or something like that. Um, and we heard this thing, and, I, like, I was legitimately freaked out, like, oh my god, we just saw the Jersey Devil, oh my god. We were, like, maybe 13, 14 at the time. Mm. Um, and this could have just been him placating me, uh, but a few years later, um, uh, the way my hometown is set up, there was a cut through to get from where my parents' neighborhood is to, uh, a main road, uh, a highway, which I'm not going to mention so nobody knows where I live, but, um, there this like old party store there that you could cut through to get to the other side. we were going Blockbuster because there was a Blockbuster on the other side of the road. R.I.P. R.I.P. Man, I miss Blockbuster. Uh, That's a whole nother diatribe. Rip in peace. Um, But I saw this thing that looked very, very large, very, very far away flying over the trees and then um, this was over the weekend and then that it was that was a Friday night and then Monday morning at school um, my buddy Harris, who lived in the direction where the thing was flying, said he saw something fly by his window that night. Something very large. And, uh, like I said, it doesn't mean anything that it's real or that Like I was just praying and hoping to see something more, but um, it was very scary at the time, and I also thought it was very cool, and it's probably my most favorite thing of folklore. Um, and like I said, I'm very obsessed with cryptozoology and the study of Unknown animals, and, you know, Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, and all that stuff. This is by far probably the least believable one out of all of them. Most of them are pretty unbelievable. Like a giant dinosaur living in Loch Ness. But it's still my favorite because it's so deep-seated into our culture as a state. And I love this state. No matter what anybody else says about New Jersey, I love it, and I love living here. So, yeah. Um...
2: I kind of have a different history and interest with the Jersey Devil. Uh, as I mentioned, I grew up in Kansas, and I moved here right before I turned 10. And my mom's originally from New Jersey, so when I um, when I moved here, she was trying to get me into the state and into the fact that like this is where we live now. We're not going back to Kansas. And as part of that, she read this very book to me. And I don't remember whether or not we ever finished it, because I don't remember being interested because for me growing up i was always about the monster and less about anything else like horror didn't interest me i didn't want to be spooked i wanted to see the monsters i thought monsters were cool so i loved alien not because of its terrifying atmosphere of claustrophobia and space terror because like the xenomorph looks so cool cool. yeah the xenomorph is super cool it's still (laughs) very cool and i loved godzilla because godzilla is a
1: giant lizard that's rad Fighting other giant monsters. Yeah, yet. I love
2: Gamera for the same reason. Like, sweet turtle. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> totally rad. And the Jersey Devil, for most of the pictures of him, he looks silly. Like, he's got this old-timey feel to him. And I'm like, I'm not about this. Like, I want my devils to be way more devilish. And I didn't care. And, you know, the, the closest I could say to any experience I had was when I was a young teenager for three years in a row... um, I had my birthday party in these campgrounds in the Pine Barrens, and there were cabins, there were year-round RVers who lived there. There were tent grounds and sort of hybrid type sites. And it was this huge campground in the Pine Barrens. And we went there ostensibly to play sniper, which was everybody dresses in camo, you have fake guns, and then you hide from one another. And then like when you finally catch the other people, you like pretend to shoot them. And it's kind of like playing paintball without paintballs. And we had a lot of fun doing it. But it always devolved quickly into a bunch of small groups of young boys between the ages of 12 and 14 lighting fires all throughout the camp. (laughs) We were like little menaces. And all we did was burn leaves and break glass bottles that we would find and all this stuff. And for those who don't know the Pine Barrens, they're riddled with trails for, like, ATVs, dirt bikes, and all the rest, mudding, and all, all this. And so you find all these beer bottles and all this stuff out there. And, uh so we would just do that and raise hell like not anything too crazy but you know just good childish fun and amazingly we never burnt down the forest and um you know the one i think it was the first year we were there one of my friends thought he saw a ghost and of course there was then talk of is it the jersey devil and it was pretty terrifying in the dark of night to go searching through the woods we would each go down this path like looking for the devil one at a time and it was really spooky, but, like, nobody ever saw anything. You'd see, like, leaves that for a minute looked like a creature lurking in the distance. And then, like, a tree would move. And people would oh, you know. So I never really thought much about it. And it never interested in me until, really, this research. And in order to kind of get into the vibe of this before we did this episode, I went this past weekend with my friends Brian and Luke down to the Pine Barrens and we went to Hampton Furnace, which is mentioned in this book and was an easy location to find on GPS. The sort of modern day has demystified the Pine Barrens to a point, but Hampton Furnace was one of the many iron working places where they made nails and, um, uh, gunpowder and some other stuff. And we drove out there and we found the foundations of the building. I found an old nail. Now I have that. That's pretty cool and uh, <laughs> we sort of went Is dug. it the Jersey Devil's nail? No, it's not the Devil nail but um, you know, we basically just tromped around the Pine Barons also have a lot of ticks not this time of year, but generally they do so we were kind of wary of that and uh, we tromped around in the woods, we took some cool pictures and enjoyed it, but there was you know, a significant lack of spook factor for a variety of reasons, it wasn't really quite dark enough, which isn't we didn't want to stay late. We don't want to drive out of there in my fancy car and crash into a tree. Uh, and also, we had stuff to do. But it was it was interesting, and we had a good time. And, you know, from my perspective, having read the book now, the next time I'm in the Pine Barrens, like I'm always going to be kind of looking for some kind of something. You know what I mean? And I've been in the woods around the Pine Barrens in the years between being a kid and now. And I've never really worried about it. And I don't think I would worry about it now because I still have a lot of trouble getting down with anything supernatural but the idea is definitely a cool one and you know I think when you're in the woods anywhere in the world there's always this lurking danger because the wil- the woods are the wilderness and the wilderness is you know basically Satan's temple and uh, you never know what could lurk behind the next tree or mm. dark
1: bush or whatever that's the thing about the Pine Barrens like y- you walk through it it's it's all sand and and pine needles it's very hard to traverse it's very mysterious. It's very easy to get lost. It's an alien landscape. Yeah, yeah. and just the woods in New Jersey outside of the Jersey Devil have so much legend and lore behind them of all these frightening things that, you know, this mystery and these woods are so ingrained in Jersey. I went to um, Batstow one night, which you can get into a very large part of the Pine Barrens from there. Yeah. Because I had a friend who was like, Oh, yeah, bro. One of my buddies, like, he caught the jersey devil on video, but like he won't show it to anybody and I'm like, Well fucking show it to me. He's like, No, he won't do it I was like, Get him to do it. I don't I don't believe he's the- No, no, he just he just won't freaks him out too much and I'm like, Alright, fine, whatever. Let's just go there. So we did and we were like running around the middle of the woods in the middle of the night and there was the moon was out, but it was it, so you'd get to like a small clearing and it'd be very bright, and then you walk a few feet into the woods and it'd be pitch black. And then yeah. all of a sudden we saw we heard drums, and it's never good to hear drums in the no. middle of the woods at the middle of the night. If no. you've ever watched any horror movie, yeah. So I was like, let's get the fuck out of there. Yeah. There is one other anecdote um, I want to mention just because, like, and I, this is all out of order because like so much of this stuff has encompassed so much of my life, and just like looking at it and researching it and loving it, and just loving the stories behind <laughs> it. Um, there was a, a, a piece that I had been obsessing over for like a long time. It's pictured in, um, Fam of the Pines, the follow-up book to the one we researched, where it talks about this glassblower who is like pretty famous in New Jersey, used the sand from the soil to make all his glass and everything. And he, um, did blow these few figurines of the quote-unquote Jersey Devil And they don't look anything like any of the pictures. It looks like an actual devil flying around with wings and a tail and a pitchfork. And um, I tried to find out who he was, like, if he was still alive. And they mentioned in the book who he is. And I could never find anything about him still blowing glass. And years, 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 years later, uh, there's this girl I used to hang out with. And I remember going to their house, and they had this, one of those big barrister... Uh, chest with the glass all around it and they had all these glass figurines and I'm looking at the fucking thing and that figurine is staring me dead in the face and I'm like, I want, I went up to her mom I was like, I will give you $500 to, I didn't have $500, <laughs> but I was like, I will give you $500 for that. She's like, no, the guy's dead like, he stopped doing all of it like, he sold the last of his pieces to us like, we can't just give it up and I was like, you bitch
2: <laughs> you selfish bitch but, um yeah, we'll talk about Out of Order. Uh, we sort of forgot to talk about it, and I guess we should bring it up last. So, um, you know, in regard to the 1909 hysteria and this this whole idea, the, the real part of the devil legend, um, there's a couple explanations. One of which is that there is what's called a sandhill crane, which is a, a very large crane that's like four feet tall and has humongous wingspan. I think it's like seven feet or something mm-hmm. like that, outstretched that used to be more prominent in the New Jersey area before it was so overpopulated. And um, the authors and other people think that, you know, in part, some of these sightings might relate to this sandhill crane, which was um, odd and terrifying and made a really scary sound and uh, could fly very long distances. And as part of its mating ritual, would hop great distances and jump
1: around and all this kind of stuff. And you could hear yeah. its call for like a couple miles.
0: Uh, and my parents live out in Tabernacle uh, which is not too far from the Pine Barrens. That is the Pine Barrens. Okay, baby. so we, like when my dog was a puppy a crane landed in our backyard and I went out there and got him because I was sure that this crane was going to carry my puppy away. That's how fucking huge it was. Yeah, it was
2: no, a they're giant gigantic. standing yeah.
0: on the side of the pond just like looking at you from inside the house. Like, So I could totally see how that could be misconstrued. Yeah,
2: and then the but, you know, the other part of it is that um, some of this stuff was definitely faked. People came out later and said, like, they faked the attacks on themselves, or they faked tracks, or, um, you know, they just made up the accounts wholesale, and obviously the Jersey Devils that were caught or killed or whatever were all hoaxes. Um, so there is that element, but basically the the kind of prevailing idea in the book, and which I would be willing to believe, is that it was just a case of mass hysteria, That we've experienced in the United States and the world over, generally, you know, in random intervals where people all start to share similar symptoms for no apparent reason and there's no explanation other Mm -hmm. than it's sort of like a group um, delusion, you know? And so this thing kind of took over and it's, you can imagine in 1909, there's not a lot of fun. It's January, you got cabin fever, and, uh, you know, people started talking about sighting the devil. And that's going to, like, spruce up your yeah. beak and get everybody talking and, and get the beer flowing and the guns out and all the rest. And, I mean, like, that's, that's what I believe it comes down to. It's yeah. weird. There's inexplicable parts of it. But then I also think when people are keen to look for things out of the ordinary, it's always so easy to find them. Like, you know, most of us are unobservant in a lot of ways most of the time until your attention's called to something, which is the whole uh, Bader-Meinhof, what is it, Phenomena. Or like you've never heard of something, and then you hear of it, and you suddenly see it everywhere. Mm. And uh, you know, I think it's the same thing with the, what they describe about the Jersey Devil and the sightings and all the rest. So
1: I think what it, what it boils down to me is like what I said. You know, the first of all, like you'd mentioned, it, it was very hard to be prosperous in the Pine Barrens, and it's a very mysterious territory and a terrifying territory to live <laughs> in. And you know, it's I, I think it's a mixture of wanting to add a little spice of life, having this legend to tell people to mm-hmm. experience the need for the fantastical, you know, wanting there to be something to, out of the ordinary, to bring you away from your ordinary, horrible life. Yeah. And and all to be all, it's a good story. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a really good, interesting story, and, you know, people want to be part of history, and if their way of being part of history is making things up, then you know they're gonna do it, gonna do it. and um, I suggest reading this book and the follow up, *Fan uh, of the Pines and um, you know, just searching it out and like really cause, like I said, it's the history of New Jersey this is part of our culture as a state and very few states are so ingrained in something so terrifying that's not real, yeah. for lack of yeah. a better term and you know, I'm Mr. X-Files over here I want to believe, but the older I get the less whimsical I get about these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um,
2: but yeah. If, if you've got stories, you know, send them to us on our Facebook or, or, uh, you know, Instagram or whatever. Like, let us know. We're definitely interested to hear anybody who's got a story about the Jersey yeah. Devil and, you know, their own experience. And, um, I think uh, on the docket for next time, we hypothetically are finally going to talk about our local famous murder and um, are we? the terrorist yeah. that was gripping the uh, area mm-hmm. around you with fear. <laughs> and um, you know, but I don't know if we're going to stick to that schedule. We may do something else, but uh, I think that's about it for tonight. Yeah.
0: If you want to follow us on Instagram, I probably should have been m- mentioning this. at uh, Motel Hell podcast on facebook where what are we moto hell podcast okay pretty consistent yeah we're so, professionals we're at very this point. professional yeah
1: we update it we update both with uh every new episode um maybe we'll be on itunes by the time this episode drops i hope so i'm looking out for the email we're still on soundcloud though and this is this is going to sound uh you know like hey uh make other people like our thing but i don't give a fuck um if you know, if you listen to this, and you know anybody who would be interested in listening to this, send them to our Facebook page, send them to our SoundCloud, send them to our Instagram. You know, throw us a like, write a review if there's a place to even write one. I think I think we have reviews on Facebook where you can give us stars and stuff. Um, we do this for free. And we do this because we love it. And if you love it, please help share it with other people who might love it as well. Yeah,
2: we just want to That's get beautiful. it out there. We're not. We're not really trying to make any money
1: at this point. No. So. No. I just want
0: not yet. fame.
2: Yeah, I want everybody to care about me That's and know how great I am. I am. That's
0: all I really care about. Yeah, yeah. and I then, have like
2: right. deep seated insecurity where I need validation from others to feel okay yeah. with
1: myself. Me too. Yeah. Wow. And then and we'll go out in a blaze of cocaine, guns, mm-hmm. and. hogs. Mm-hmm. disgusting I think sex. We decided you decided not peaceful.
0: Yeah, I. Who? You were going to murder us. I'm going to murder you guys and then kill myself. Yes.
1: Nice. No, no, you can't kill yourself because you have to tell the story. That's yeah, true.
0: final episode. Maybe they'll profile this me is, like my has said. This is Flex study.
1: Alexa, and I'm
2: I'm here to say, let's do some yay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Do a bunch of mm-hmm. cocaine on mm-hmm. your corpses mm-hmm. and go mm-hmm. to jail. All right, later nerds. Later.